0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning, Generations Church family. I hope you're having a fantastic Sunday morning. For those that uh, were able to watch for a few minutes earlier today, we just came on to welcome you and to start this Sunday morning off on the right foot and just to remind you about our nine fifteen and 11 o'clock services. But let me just say to you, I'm so thankful that you've chosen to spend part of your Sunday here with us. And by here, I mean wherever you are. We are here and uh, you are there and hopefully soon we will all be here together Uh, But I'm thankful that you've chosen to take part of your Sunday morning and spend it with us. Uh, I saw a meme this week that uh, showed like what the pastor assumes you watching the live stream looks like, and it's you like dressed up in your Sunday best in your living room with hands raised, worshiping and praising God. And maybe that's how you are. Others of you, you may still be laying in bed right now in your PJs with bedhead, and uh, that's okay. But however you're joining us today, I just want to say thank you for spending part of your day with us. Uh, I never take that for granted. We never take that for granted. And I believe that today is a powerful day. Because we're going to conclude our suit-up series in just a few minutes, uh, just looking at the armor of God, where we've been all summer long, uh, talking out of Ephesians chapter 6, what the Apostle Paul tells us that we can utilize to find victory in the spiritual battles that we're fighting. Uh, But let me just remind you of one quick thing before we jump into that. This coming Saturday, August the 1st, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., is our VBS Family Day. And we want you to be a part of that. So there's no charge for this. It's just to invite you, all of our Generations Church families, to come together here at the church. Uh, We have a a really special time plan, A great team of our kids' workers, uh, kids' volunteers, G-team members uh, have been planning this. And so we've got kind of a carnival-themed day, lots of games, lots of activities for your family to participate in. We're also going to have a special family time of worship. Uh, We're going to give away some prizes and things that your kids will love. And for you and your family, hopefully can be a blessing to you, some some financial prizes that may help you as we go back to school here in the next week or two. And so uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. You can go to g.church, click on the events tab, and you can register for that event. It's free of charge, but it just helps us to plan that you're going to come. And so we'd love to have you be a part of our VBS G Kids Family Day this coming Saturday, August the 1st, 10 a.m. AM to 1 PM. It's going to be a really great day. We hope you'll make plans to be with us. So I said just a minute ago, we're going to conclude our series. Uh, we've been looking at a lot of things over the last five or six weeks, talking about the armor of God. I already told you in Ephesians chapter six, this is where the apostle Paul Is closing out his letter to the church in Ephesus. And just before the benediction, just before the closing, just before the final prayer. It would almost be at the very end of my sermon, like right before I pray and we close and we send you on your way. I was like, oh yeah. And one more thought. That's really what the Apostle Paul is doing here at the conclusion of Ephesians chapter six. He's talked about, he's talked about a lot of things related to church and church community and family and marriage and parenting. And he comes to this moment where he says, Hey, And also the enemy's going to be fighting against you. And as he does, as he comes against you with the schemes that he's going to try to use to destroy your life, I want you to know how to find victory. And so what we've talked about over the last few weeks is that we are not fighting physical battles, we're fighting spiritual battles. This is found in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. We've read this every week. It says this: Finally be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And what we've said each week is that you are not fighting physical battles, you're fighting spiritual battles. And so I know that it may seem like you're arguing against the person right in front of you. It may seem that the circumstances that are going on around us are about COVID and they're about people and they're about conspiracy theories and they're about all these things. But what I want you to know is that we are fighting in a battle of good versus evil that started before you and I were born onto the earth. And should the Lord tarry, which is a phrase I used a few weeks ago, but should the Lord allow for this story of humanity continue beyond our lives on the earth, this battle of good versus evil will continue beyond our lives because it's a part of the story that God is writing in the earth. But there will come an ending to this story, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Today. And I want us to know, like, when we're on the earth in our lifetime, how do we find that victory? Well, the Apostle Paul said that we should take on the full armor of God. This is what he says in verse 14. He says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Today, we want to talk about that, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as we come to this conclusion, we end in a very similar place to where we began. If you remember what we read just a minute ago in verse 10, we said that we would, we would stand in the, the power of God, in His strength and in His might. And we come to the conclusion, and the Apostle Paul says what we should do is we should take up the sword of the Spirit. It's not my strength that I find victory in. It's not your strength that you find victory in. It is in the strength and the power and the might of God Almighty. And to find that victory, we take up the sword of the Spirit. This is the last piece of the armor of God that the Apostle Paul tells us about. But it's interesting to me that this is a different type of equipment, All of the other pieces that we've talked about, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, even the shield of faith, those are all defensive in nature. Now, I told you a few weeks ago when we were talking about the shield of faith that you could take the shield and you could hit somebody over the head with it, but its primary purpose is to deflect, it is to defend, it is to block. And so all of these other pieces of armor are to to be defensive, But the sword of the Spirit, if you were to take up the sword, and I I understand that you've got an image in your mind when you think about a sword, you take up that sword, you pick it up and you use it, it is offensive in nature. And so we come all the way to the end here of of the armor of God that's listed here in Ephesians chapter 6, and we recognize that Paul is ending with an offensive weapon and not just these defensive pieces that we started with. And so when I think about that, I recognize that there are other places throughout Scripture where a sword is used or the image of a sword is used. The psalmists used swords so often to represent praise and to represent the the weapon of worship that we have access to. We see in Revelation chapter 19 that there's the image of Jesus Christ as he returns and he's in a spiritual battle to conclude the war that is being waged and he opens his mouth and the sword comes out of his mouth. It is the word of God that's being declared. And and probably the most famous verse related to the sword or the word of God in this context is in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, where it says this, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the hearts. And so when I look at that, it reminds me that the Word of God isn't just an ancient text. It isn't just some old and crusty thing. It isn't just something that your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents heard about. It isn't just about the writers of this text or the disciples of the first century. It is active. It is alive it cuts into our hearts and into our lives. It does a cleansing work because it it divides our soul and our spirit from the things that do not reflect the character and the nature of God as it helps us to understand who God is and who we are in light of who God is and how we should conduct our lives moving forward. And so as I think about that, I recognize that I don't just read the Bible, so often the Bible reads me. When I look at God's Word, I recognize that it is a spiritual weapon for spiritual battles. But I also see that there are primarily three mistakes that people make. And when I'm talking about people, I am including me in this this spiritual battle. There's there's three primary mistakes that I think so many people uh, make as it relates to spiritual battles when we're fighting against the enemy and as it relates to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The first one is that they try to use physical weapons. They try to use physical weapons instead of spiritual weapons. The second is that they don't use their sword. And the third is that they use it, but they misuse it in this battle. Now, when I talk about physical weapons, what am I referring to? It could be self-help. It could be the advice of others, even well-intended advice. It could be a, a human effort in some form or fashion. It could even be sermon clips on Instagram. But the reality is, if it is not grounded in the Word of God if it is just opinion, if it is just a part of the physical world and not a part of the spiritual that God has given to us, the timeless truths of God's word, it will pass away and it will not be effective in defeating the enemy. And so we come into a spiritual battle and we don't bring spiritual weapons. And so for you and I, we have to recognize that God has given to us The sword, the spiritual sword, which we could use in battle, but we don't bring this thing into battle. And we're going to talk about why in just a few minutes. Not just that, but some of us don't use the sword. It's not just that we use physical weapons. We we don't even know really how to use the sword at all. And as I talked about just a minute ago, when the apostle Paul talks about the helmet of salvation and even the shield of faith, when he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, these are defensive in nature, And so if we're not careful, we we feel like we are constantly playing defense. We're constantly rocking back on our heels and we find ourselves becoming complacent. But what happens is we get tired and we get worn down. What happens is if we're not careful, we quit blocking and we eventually give in to the temptations, to the schemes that the enemy would try to throw at us. Well, here's what I know. If I'm playing basketball, I am not meant to play defense all the time. There comes a point when I've got to get the ball in my hand, and I've got to go try and score. I've got to get on offense. And the Apostle Paul ends this passage of Scripture by saying, listen, you've got to take up the sword. You've got to use it to to gain ground. You've got to fight back against the enemy. You don't just cower in the corner, even wearing the armor of God and trying to play defense and block all the time. No, we go on offense, and we recognize that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. And of sound mind, he, he challenges us to go on the offensive and to use his strength and his might and his power to go at the enemy and to say, no, 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 I don't have to just stay back. I don't have to cower down. I don't have to feel like I'm defeated all the time. I am going to win this battle because I am on the side of God Almighty. And so I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, because I am going to play offense. I believe with all of my heart it is offensive to God if we take a defensive posture all of the time. I believe it offends God because I believe that God wants us to walk with victory and with power and with strength, not in ourselves, but in him. The sword is intended to be used to attack the enemy, to go after him. So maybe we use the sword, but the third mistake that I see is so often we misuse the sword. We misuse it. Perhaps the greater danger than then not using the sword is to try to use it, but to use it in the wrong way. It would be like me trying to take hold of a sword, but holding it by the blade instead of by the handle. It's actually going to cause harm to me. And so I have to recognize what God has given to me. It's not enough just to quote a random scripture that feels right in the moment if I'm not using that scripture correctly. Let me give you a great example here. How many of you have heard the the, the verse of Scripture, Philippians 4.13? It says this. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Maybe your translation says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, that's a powerful verse of Scripture. And I can quote that in a lot of different settings and in a lot of different contexts and in a lot of different places. But if I say, you know what? I can do all things. Well, that means that I can go and win the Super Bowl this year because I can do all things. But if I'm not athletic, which I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about some of you. If I'm not athletic, I can't win the Super Bowl. If God's not called me to be an NFL player, then I can't win the Super Bowl. I mean, I can say I can do all things, but if God is not calling me to that, if he's not equipped me to do that kingdom work, then that's not necessarily what God is going to do in and through my life. I can say, well, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I can walk to the moon. Well, not if God's not calling me to do that. There, there's gravity. There are some things that, that exist in the physical world where God has placed us. And so if I know that God has called me to do that, if I believe that I've heard God, just in the same way that it might have sound crazy, or sounded crazy to Noah to go and build an ark, if I believe that God has called me to that, then in obedience, I walk to that. But the context here in, in Philippians is that the Apostle Paul, again, is writing a letter. He's writing a letter to the, to the church there in Philippi. And as he's writing to them... He's talking about his own condition. He's talking about the fact that he's imprisoned. He's talking about the fact that he has a thorn in his flesh that he's tried and he's prayed and he's asked God to get rid of in his life, and yet it hasn't happened. And then he says, and yet, in all of this, I can still do all things. I can do everything that God is calling me to do. I can encourage you even from prison. I I can withstand what this thorn does to my flesh because God is strengthening me day by day. And it doesn't mean that there's no truth in that for you or for me. Scripture also tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's ever done it for anybody, he can do it for you. But we've got to make sure that we're using the sword correctly. We're not just quoting some random scripture that looks good on a coffee mug or looks good on some screen because of the Bible app posted it today. We say, no, I'm going to use it in context. I'm going to use it in the way that God has intended it to be used so that the enemy doesn't just stand there as I quote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he said, "Well, that." what are you talking about? You're not doing what God's asked you to do. You're not being obedient in what God has asked you to do. We say, no, I stand in the strength and the power and the might of God to do all things that God is calling me to do through his strength and his power, because that's what he's calling me to do. The enemy can't stand up against that. And so we use the sword correctly. We use it correctly. So how do we use it correctly? I want to look at a couple quick things before we close today. And prayer, I believe that the first thing that we can do to use the sword correctly is we need to sharpen our skills. We need to sharpen our skills. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? And maybe this doesn't happen to you, but it happens to me a lot. And somebody's talking to you and you're looking for like the right words to say back to them, maybe not a comeback but something to say in response to what they're saying. Maybe they're challenging you. Maybe they're asking a question of you. Maybe they're asking you to explain what you're doing and you just can't come up with the right words. But then when they walk away, you immediately think of what you wish you would have said. I do that so often. I think of like a really great witty response or a great joke I could have told or something I could have said in response to what they've asked of me. And so often I don't think of it until they've already walked away. It seems like it's too late because they're already gone. Well, the same is true of Scripture, When we go into battle, we need to equip ourselves with the word of God. But we don't equip ourselves in the battle. We equip ourselves in advance of the battle. That's why you hear people talk about personal devotions. You hear them talk about Bible reading plans. You hear us at the church talk about soaping, which is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's just a method for reading God's word and applying it to our lives. And I recognize that if that's not something you do on a regular basis, it may seem overwhelming to you, but I would say start simply. I I don't know that God is asking you to start with an hour a day if you're not reading God's Word at all today. I think God may be asking you to give Him one minute, two minutes, five minutes, where you just open God's word and you begin to read. And I know, again, it can seem overwhelming because you go, well, where do I even start? If If you've not really read the Bible much at all, I would encourage you to start in the gospels. This is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Perhaps you could even start in the book of John. The book of John is a great gospel account of the life of Jesus, and so there's some famous passages in there that you would have heard probably. There's some great stories of, of the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus that you probably would have heard. It doesn't necessarily include a genealogy, so you don't start in the begats and the, the list of people, and so you don't have to worry about that. Or maybe you read the account of Mark. Maybe from there you, you move into some of the other letters of the New Testament. But maybe you utilize some devotional books. You go to uh, Amazon and you try to find a good devotional. Or maybe you go to the Bible app on your phone or your tablet. And you go in, and you try to find a Bible reading plan that's three days or five days or seven days. And you're reading through a book or you're reading on a topic that would encourage you. It just gives you a tool to engage God's Word. And here's what happens. Moment by moment. Day by day. You begin to put God's Word into play in your life. You begin to take up the sword of the Spirit, and you begin to fight back against the enemy. Again, I know it might seem overwhelming, but we are, we are called to utilize, to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And, and just like they talk about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, I believe you also read God's Word every day for a month and every day for a year or 300 days in a year, just one day at a time where you begin to read God's Word, and you put it into practice in your life, and it may not seem like you're getting equipped in the moment that you're reading a text until you find yourself in a spiritual battle and you're able to recall something that you read this morning or yesterday morning or three weeks ago or three months ago, and it comes right to your mind in the moment that you need it so that you can fight back against the enemy as he comes against you. So we need to sharpen our skills The second thing that I believe we need to do is we need to ask for help. You are not meant to live this life alone. You are not meant to fight these battles alone. That's why we say that life together is better. And our our fall semester of G groups begins in like three weeks August the 9th, we're going to begin jumping into groups and and they'll begin meeting in the middle of August and whether you come to join us in person in the next week or so or whether you are watching us online in your homes, we're going to have G groups available for all of you so that you can engage community, be encouraged by one another, be strengthened by one another, and you can begin to grow spiritually in relationship with God and in relationship with others. But I also believe that God will help you. Scripture tells us if anyone lacks wisdom, he just needs to ask God for it. But I also know that as I'm reading the Bible, maybe this disappoints you about your pastor, but as I'm reading the Bible, I come to things sometimes that I don't understand. I'm like, what in the world does that mean? What is that supposed to do in my life or say in my life? And you know what I do? I ask a question. I say, God, what are you saying right here? God, what are, you, what are you telling me right here? God, what is it I'm supposed to do with this? How do I apply this to my life? Like, God, would you help me to know who you are? Would you help me to understand what it is that you're saying to me through your word? In my mind's eye, I picture a young Roman soldier who's trying to learn how to use his sword in battle. And if you read through the historical accounts, you recognize that they would have taught these young soldiers how to use their sword by giving them a wooden sword. It was heavy, it was awkward. It wasn't the, the metal sword or some other type of, of strong material that you might have seen in movies or as you, as you do a Google image search and you're trying to see what a sword looks like. It probably wouldn't have been as long as you have in your mind's eye anyway. The sword that those Roman soldiers would have used was only about two feet long. It was something very small as they're holding their shield and they're, they're dressed in armor. It's something they could use very quickly to fight off The enemy but they would have trained with these bulky awkward wooden swords against stationary targets to try to build the muscles in their arms and they would have tried to use their right hand and their left hand and they would have tried to get very proficient in their skills and then once their mentor once their training soldier would have would have observed in them that they're getting stronger in their skills they would have moved them up to not just fight against stationary targets but now to fight against other young soldiers And they would have continued to use these wooden swords against a foe that has armor on, and they would have tried to fight against one another. And then eventually they would make their way up to fighting against their trainers, their mentors, their coaches, these officers in the Roman army to learn how to do battle against these more experienced soldiers. I think that's what God is saying to us. You don't just pick up the sword day one and know exactly how to use it. You must train yourself You must equip yourself and grow in the knowledge of God's Word, and so we just begin to read day after day, and maybe you jump in to the digital lobby after this and go, hey, I was reading, and I don't really understand what I'm reading, and I'm not sure how to apply this, or you jump into your G group, or maybe in your team huddle online, or in person when we come back together, and you say, hey, I was reading this week, and I'm not really sure how to apply this. Has anybody ever read this? Does anybody know what it is that God might be saying? We ask the Holy Spirit, God, would you would you speak to my heart and speak to my life? It is the sword of the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God who can speak into our lives. That's what Jesus challenged the disciples with. He encouraged the disciples before he left the earth. He said to them in John chapter 14, as he was about to go back to God at the end of this this story in the gospel account, after his resurrection, he would leave them. And this is what he says in John 14, 26. He said, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. He will teach you all things and he will remind you. There are some things that the Holy Spirit has to teach me. And so I read through it and I say, God, would you teach me this lesson? And would you teach it quickly? I don't want to have to learn it over and over and over and stay in this season for longer than I need to. But God, would you teach me what I need to know? But if I'm being honest, there are some times when I'm reading God's Word and the Holy Spirit just has to remind me of what I already know because I'm not applying it, because I'm not utilizing it in the way that it was intended to be used. And so I'm just staying in this season and I'm just staying in this moment where God is continuing to remind me of what I need to know about who he is and who he is in me. Jesus says the Father will send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you and he will remind you. You can ask, God, what do you mean? What are you saying? How should I apply this? And I believe that he'll show you. And it's not just a one-time event. It happens over and over and over again as I read God's word. So I sharpen my skills and I ask for help And then I believe that the third thing that we can do to really utilize the sword is we need to use the sword. We need to use the sword. We actually have to pick it up. I talked about this a few weeks ago with the shield of faith. We actually have to do something with it. It's not just enough to have the family Bible sitting on the coffee table. It's not just enough to have the app on your phone. We need to open it up and we need to read it and apply it and put it into practice in our lives. And there's a couple ways that we can do this. We can actually pray God's word. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. And so I can open up God's word and I can begin to read, and I can read it out loud and say, God, would you apply this in my heart and apply this in my life? God, I declare these things over myself and over my family. Earlier this week, Pastor Matt Popham, who's on our, on our team, he's our connections pastor, he called me one, one morning. And he said, hey, I, this may sound weird, but I, I felt impressed today to pray for you. I said, man, I, I appreciate that. I didn't solicit it. I didn't text him. I didn't call him. I didn't say, hey, today's a rough day. This is a rough week. There, there's a lot going on. But, but he, just, he just woke up and he said the Lord really laid on his heart that morning to pray for me and for Corey. And I was so thankful, so appreciative of that. And so he texted some other people. According to what he told me, he texted some other people and asked them to pray for us at one o'clock that day and maybe for the next 40 days to pray for us. And then he got on a Zoom call with me and with Pastor Trevor at one o'clock that day and he began to pray and he prayed for me and he prayed for our family and he prayed for blessing and favor and wisdom and discernment and joy and he prayed for all these things. But several times in that prayer, he began to quote scripture as he prayed for me. And it was deeply moving because it wasn't just the words of Pastor Matt being prayed over me, it was the words of God being prayed over me. It was God's word being declared over my life. And I got chills right now, even as I talk about it, because there's some power. In the words of God that were being declared over my life that God would do in and through me what he had promised to do in and through me. And I was so thankful for that moment because it was a reminder, just as it is for you, that in those moments we don't just lean in our own understanding. We don't just rest in our own power and our own strength. We can declare the timeless truths of God's word over your family and over your children And you can declare that he is good and he's good towards you. And that we have victory that's available to us because God has already decreed it and declared it for our lives. You can actually pray God's word. But not only that, you can also memorize God's word. You can memorize it. Look at this in Psalm 119 verse 11. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up. I've actually taken your words, God, and I've put those words inside of me so that I can stand up against temptation and against sin. I don't have to be overwhelmed or overcome when the enemy comes against me. I can actually use the words of God against him. And I may not have my Bible in front of me, I may not have my app open. But I can actually take out of the recesses of my heart those things that I've placed inside of my heart in previous moments of preparation. When I wake up in the wee hours of the morning or I stay awake into the late hours of the night, when I sit at my lunch break, when I'm sitting at my desk in my cubicle perhaps, when I'm sitting at my desk in school waiting on class to begin, when I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to the words of God being declared over my car through through somebody reading scripture to me, those words get into my heart and into my life. And when the enemy tries to come against me and, and tell me that I'm not good enough and that, and that I can't receive God's love or earn God's love and I, I'm, I'm never going to be good enough, I can declare to him something that I talk about all the time in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that says, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. He chose to die for me out of his great love for me before I was good enough. And I can tell him that because I've, I've stored that word away in my heart. Some of the truths that we talked about last week from God's Word, when I say, I'll always be sick, I'll never be healed, I can declare the truths of Isaiah when it was prophesying about who Jesus was and what Jesus would endure on his way to the cross, and I can say, no, 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 by the stripes on his back, I am healed, and I can declare that truth because it's been stored up in my heart, and I can believe and hold to the promises of God because I have memorized God's Word. But finally, I can apply God's Word. I can actually take God's Word and apply it to what I'm walking through. I can put the sword to work. I want to show you this in a showdown of of, of spiritual proportion, a spiritual battle that's being waged actually on the earth as we read in Matthew chapter 4. And in this passage of Scripture, what we see here is that we see Jesus the physical embodiment of God Himself, the Son of God come to earth to live and to endure temptation that you and I would face and yet to do so without sin. He's on the earth. He's been baptized, we see, at the beginning of the book of Matthew here. And coming out of that baptism moment in Matthew chapter 3, we see that he's led into the wilderness. And in that wilderness experience, and maybe you've walked in some wilderness experiences, whether it's right now or at some other time in your life, in that wilderness experience, the enemy comes against him. This is an incredible example of what we're talking about, about spiritual battles and the good versus evil battle that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And the enemy comes against Jesus, and I want to show you what Jesus does in this showdown, in this spiritual battle. Matthew chapter four, beginning in verse three, it says this, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, a few weeks ago, we referenced this. We talked about how the enemy loves to distort and to deceive, and he loves to twist the truth. And so he he said about Jesus, even though Jesus had come out of this baptism experience where God himself, his father, had declared about him, this is my son, In whom I am well pleased. Now the enemy tries to use those things and twist those and to deceive and to distort and cause Jesus to question even what God has declared about him. And he says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But look how Jesus answers. Verse 4 Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus didn't just say, I'm God, back off. (laughs) He didn't just say, I'm the son of God, bite me. That would be awesome. I would love to read that verse of scripture. You know what he actually said? He said, I'm gonna use the words of my father against you in this moment of temptation, and I'm gonna declare it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, he's actually quoting scripture. He's quoting from the Old Testament that you and I possess. He's quoting here from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And in that verse of Scripture, it says exactly what Jesus declares here. He says, I don't need to turn stones into bread because I am not sustained by bread. I am sustained by the words of God, those things that come out of the mouth of my Father. And he quotes God's word to the tempter. This is a powerful picture here because he's literally fighting the devil with the sword that you and I have access to today. Let's keep reading. Look at this in verse 5. And six, then the devil took him to the holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Did you see what just happened? The enemy actually tried to quote God's word. He's quoting from Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. And as he's quoting it, He's actually trying to use the words of God against the Son of God as a point of his temptation. He's saying, listen, just throw yourself off. Just, just, just jump off this cliff. You're not going to be hurt. Nothing's going to happen to you. You can call down angels and they'll come and they'll protect you. That's why it's so important for us to store up God's word in our heart so that when the enemy tries to distort the truth, When he tries to use even the words of God against us, when he tries to question things that God has declared about us, when he tries to use the words of God uh, out of his lips into our ears, we would know what the truth is. In Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, it doesn't say go and try to harm yourself and, and you'll be protected necessarily. It's talking about the enemy fighting against you. It's talking about the enemy trying to destroy your life. And in that context, he says, you don't have to worry as long as you're obeying me, there is protection for you. But the enemy's not trying to get you to obey God. He's trying to get you to obey him. The enemy, the devil, the deceiver. So the enemy's trying to use scripture to deceive, to distort. But look how Jesus responds in verse seven. Jesus answered, it is also written. I mean, if you're going to tell me what's written, I'm going to tell you what's also written. It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's quoting here from Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 16. Deuteronomy 6 is where we draw the inspiration for Generations Church. Where it says that this is for you, your children, and your children's children. That we write it on the doorposts. We put it into our minds. We write it on our foreheads. We hold it in our hands. And we walk down the streets talking about it. And we talk about it at the dinner table. And we declare who God is. And Jesus is saying, listen enemy, listen devil. You want to come at me with God's word? Let me tell you what God's word also says. You're trying to get me to obey you. God's word says that I obey him. And in doing so, I don't even have to test God because he is true and he is right and he is holy and he is just. The enemy hates it when you use God's word against him because he knows how this story ends. And so he continues to come at Jesus. One more time, verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. I love that the enemy was trying to get Jesus to bow down and worship him, the devil. And he said, if you'll do this, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. He didn't have the kingdoms of the earth to give. It's not his to begin with. God has allowed him to try to roam in this present age. But even in the midst of him allowing that, victory is already the Lord's. It was provided for through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said that. It is written, worship God only. I won't worship you. I won't bow to you. I won't kneel to you. You are not deserving of my worship. He's also quoting here from Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is verse 13. And he's declaring the truths of of Deuteronomy. He is using the words of God to rebut the words of the enemy. So often we come up against the tempter and we feel ill-equipped. We, we feel like we can't win. We feel like we can't find victory because we're trying to use those, those self-help techniques and we're trying to use the advice of others. And maybe you're trying to use the sermons that you've heard preached. And you said, I, I, I think somewhere back there, somewhere I, I heard somebody preach and somebody say, and that's awesome. And I, and I hope that you're listening and I hope that you're applying and I hope that my, my words are, are pointing you to Jesus. But I cannot give you victory. I cannot sustain you. I pray before I take this stage any given given Sunday. God, let it be your words and not my words. I try not to stand here on a soapbox and give you my opinion. I try to point us to God's word and, and point us to the truths of who he is. But if you ever stand against the tempter and you don't know what to do, use the example of Jesus Christ and take the words of God and put them right back in the enemy's face and declare what scripture tells us, greater is he that's in me than he that's fighting me right now. And so we call in the strength and the power and the might of God and we utilize the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God so that we can not just play defense, but we can go on offense. And can I tell you some great news? When you take up the sword of the Spirit, it's not the last time that the sword will be used against the enemy. I referenced it just a few minutes ago. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 16 says this. Then I saw the heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there, and its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly, and he wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and a name was written on him that no one understood except himself. And he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. And the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses, and from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations." And he will rule them with an iron rod and he will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. And on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. You're not fighting a losing battle. At the end of this battle, at the end of this war, as you and I receive the free gift of salvation, as we acknowledge our need for God in our lives, and as we join up with God, we say, I want to be a part of the family of God, I want to be a son and daughter of God, and we point our arrow in the direction of God, and we say, "I'm, I'm in pursuit of you with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. One day we will see the culmination of this war and we're not trying to guess who wins we just read what will happen the heavens were opened and all the armies of heaven they came to battle against this enemy who knows he's already lost and he's fighting against you because he wants to take you with him as the wrath of god is poured out on his head he loses because the word of god will be declared in that moment and he opens his mouth and the sword it comes to bring victory for the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And this is how the battle ends. Revelation 20, verse 10 says this. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. God wins. God wins. And if you and I want to stand against the schemes of the enemy as he comes at us, trying to bring us over to his side so that we would spend forever and ever being tormented with him so he doesn't have to endure that alone, we stand in the full armor of God wrapped in the belt of truth knowing who God is and who we are in God. Wearing the breastplate of righteousness, not our own righteousness, which is filthy rags, but the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. We have our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace because God is a God of mercy and love and grace towards us in this present age to allow us to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we take up the shield of faith because we're saved through faith alone and not by our own works. And we put on the helmet of salvation to know that we are confident and assured that our salvation is secured through the Spirit of God and our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we don't just take a defensive posture. We go on offense, taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we declare the truths of God against the enemies of God because we will win this spiritual battle. And my prayer for you today, my hope for you today beyond wishing that you were in this room because some of you would have just amen me to death, I'm hoping you're doing that in your living room. Beyond that, my prayer for you today is that you would not live a defeated life. You would not take a defensive posture believing that the enemy's stronger and greater than you. But so that you could find victory, you would stand in the might and the power and the strength of God Almighty. And you would put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the enemy because he knows he loses in the end. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody looking around. Just a moment of personal reflection between you and God. If you would say to me, Jeremy, I know my first and next step is to be saved. I've been trying to do things my own way. I've been living life my own way. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I need him to forgive my life and forgive my sins and lead my life from this moment forward. If that's you, would you just respond in some way right now? Would you lift your hand? Would you click on the link that's there in the chat? Would you type it into the chat to let us know so we can pray for you? Would you tell somebody that's watching with you, hey, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus Christ right now. And I want you to pray for me in just a second when Pastor Jeremy does. If that's you, just respond right now. We believe in that moment God will save you immediately. Maybe you say, hey, it's not it's not salvation, but I want to take up the sword of the Spirit. I, I, want to, I want to develop a passion to read God's Word. I want to memorize Scripture. I want to begin reading the Bible in a more regular way. I want to apply it to my life. I want God to explain it to me through His Spirit and through the relationships that I surround myself with so that I know what God's Word is saying to me. I want to put God's word into action in my life. If that's you, I want you to just respond right now. Lift your hand, type that into the chat. Say, I want to know. I want to know. God, we love you today and we thank you for your word over these last six weeks. We thank you, God, for the armor of God that we have access to. We thank you, God, that we can take on the full armor to find victory in our lives. Not our own victory, but victory in you through your power and your might and your strength. So God, we declare about ourselves what you have already declared about us. We don't use scripture out of context just to prove our own point. We lean into context. We lean into greater understanding. We memorize it. We learn it. We apply it. We come into spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. And God, now I pray for every person who's acknowledged their need for you to be saved God, that you would save them now, forgive their sins and lead their lives from this moment forward. Families are being changed. Lives are being changed. Generations are being changed for decisions that are being made right now. God, we thank you that you can do that. God, I pray now for every person that's asking that you would help them to take up the sword of the spirit. Let us be a people enriched by your word, empowered by your word, transformed by your word. Let your spirit do a work in us through your word. God, let us find victory in our lives. And when the enemy comes against us, let us use the example of Jesus Christ and use your words right back against him to remind him that he loses in the end. And we win as we stay connected to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.